Awoga, this is a 12th cast. Mr. Hitler, if you think we're on the run, we are the boys who will stop your little game. We are the boys who will make you think again. Cause who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler, if you think old England's done? Hello and welcome to the live Ganymede and Titan almost instant reaction dwarfcast for series 12, episode 1, Cured. Yes, Red Dwarf is back and so are we, broadcasting live for the next six Friday nights to bring you in-depth analysis and tedious in-jokes for every episode of series 12, the day after it airs on UK TV Play. So if you haven't watched Cured yet, stop listening now and download this podcast from Ganymede.tv when you've caught up. Coming up tonight, we're about to put our knapsacks on our back and go a-wandering through Cured, and we'll also be looking ahead to the rest of the series and taking your comments and questions live throughout the show. Uh, the best way to get in touch with us is through the live chat on our Spreaker page, or you can tweet us at Ganymede Titan, or leave a comment in the Let's Talk About Cured thread on GNT. Now, we have a rather diminished G&T team tonight, consisting of me, Ian Symes. Uh, Capsi, Danny, John and Tanya all send their apologies and will all be joining us in various combinations in future weeks. But thankfully, I'm joined by some top-notch, top-notch guests uh, in the form of Joe Sharples from the official Red Dwarf Fan Club. Hello. Helena Raymond, a friend of Joe's who kind of picked the wrong weekend to turn up at our house, but may be uh, joining us if she feels like it. Hi. And an actual celebrity. Yes. <laughs> I am delighted to say that we're joined by designer, journalist, writer for the Sarah Jane Adventurers and uh, Wizard vs. Aliens, former editor of Doctor Who magazine, companion Academy judge, and <laughs> thankfully Red Dwarf fan, Clayton Hickman. Hello. 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 So, Clayton, you are an official, fully legit uh, Red Dwarf fan. Yeah. What's I your am, history yeah. with it? I, I started with um, Series 1, Episode 1. Well, that's that's fairly that's yeah, fairly yeah, early. That's a good place and to I was start. I was sort of gripped from the first trailer, and I I I sort of watched series one, loved it, but it became sort of slightly blurred in my mind. And then series two, I immediately started taking. Well, I almost immediately started taking right. it from Better Than Life onward. So Crichton is also slightly legendary in my mind. But then I watched those tapes again and again and again, and became quite obsessed by Red Dwarf. And then in sort of November 89, we went on an unexpected holiday and I found the first book in the airport bookshop. I had no idea there was going to be a novel. I picked it up and read it on the plane and then that became absolute obsession. So I was slightly sort of... um, When Series 3 started and everything was completely different, I was slightly sort of inured against that Mm. because I'd read the book and I sort of knew Crichton by then and I knew the logo from the cover of the book. So it was slightly less frightening, but still a bit frightening. So for me, <laughs> but for me, series one and two is like where it's at. Good. And uh, other than series one and two, uh, did you sort of carry it on all the way through, or did you? Yeah, I, I watched. I watched and taped all the way through series six, and then I sort of fell off a little bit with seven. Yeah. I went to university, but I made sure I tuned into the last episode just because I'd heard Norman Love it was coming back. So because he was like he was my favourite character when I was very young. Mm. He was so when he wasn't there from series three onwards, I always felt there was something slightly missing. Even though I thought Hattie was great, 
I really miss Norman. So, and then Series Eight came along, and we won't really talk about that. Yeah, let's skip yeah, over that. Yeah, it didn't really happen. Did it? <laughs> and then you know, and then there was that massive gap, and then everything's been quite sort of exciting with the internet and stuff. I found G and T. Um, That's and an then, exciting moment for anyone. It is, you know, it's nice. I love fan sites that are actually quite decent. There's not enough of them. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, it's all been quite exciting from then on, you know, watching the new stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, more importantly, getting onto the new stuff, what mm. did you think? You can go first. What did you oh, think of Cured? I thought it was really good. Um, I wasn't sure at the very beginning. It felt a little bit clunky. Mm. Um, and I thought, oh, is this going to be like Red Dwarf by Numbers where everyone's sort of going through the motions but not really feeling it? But by the end of part one, and then by the end of the actual episode, I thought it was one of the best structured and best sort of um, laid out episodes of the new stuff. It felt really, it felt like a sort of combination of Meltdown, um, I'm trying to think, yeah, Meltdown, Legion, and Quarantine to me, sort of the best bits of those. But it felt like it wasn't trying to do too much. Um, It fitted into its time slot. Um, The ending was, was great. It, it didn't feel like it suddenly stopped. Mm. That's the problem I had with some of the more recent things, is that they've tried to cram too much stuff in, and you've got the plot, and then it ends. Yeah. And with this one, it felt like it was building to something, and Danny it just stole the show, as he almost always does now. We'll, we'll get onto the specifics in great detail. Yeah. Over the <laughs> oh, good. But just, uh, Joe, uh, Joe and I live together, and we Hello. haven't talked about... <laughs> We sat down yesterday when I got home from work and watched Red Dwarf and we haven't talked about it since because we knew that we'd be talking <laughs> live to the internet. So what did you think of Red Dwarf, my dear? Uh, well, we this is one of the ones that we saw recorded. Yes. Um, so we did know the content going in. Um, also, I saw this in Edinburgh at the TV oh, yeah. festival. Um, so, so this is old hat to you. So, like, this is old news to me. Um, <laughs> was that like a premiere or something? Yes, it was part of the uh, the Edinburgh TV Festival. Oh, wow. um, so they had uh, Nick Helm was hosting like a little Q and A with Doug and Craig and Robert um, after they showed the first episode um, on big screen, which was nice. Yes. Um, so I was sort of, I had my nervous, like, oh, I wonder what it's going to turn out like sort of then. So I already kind of knew for like Thursday when it, when it went live, what was going to, what was going on. But I really, I really enjoy it. Um, so you say with, at the beginning, you're, you're a bit like, oh, I don't know, like where this is going to go. But actually it all kind of ties in. Like it ties in at the end. Yeah, it actually pays off, and it pays. It's, it's worth it. It's interesting that that was the opening scene. The opening two minutes was released uh, on Wednesday, the day before it went on UK TV Play. It was released on YouTube as a little teaser. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the bit that they picked out, and a lot of people felt quite underwhelmed by it. To yeah. be honest, um, I think uh, I'll, I'll briefly talk about my. So actually, no, I'm being very rude, Helena. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a huge, like, hardcore Red Dwarf fan like the rest of us, but a, a casual fan of Red Dwarf. Yeah, casual and, viewer. And in fact, uh, you have an anecdote about Robert Llewellyn. I think we better <laughs> get it in now to lay out your credentials. Oh, well, you know, it's really interesting, <laughs> you know, long story about how I was in a car park in Wales and a car pulled up next to me and it was Robert Llewellyn. And he said, where is the entrance to the Comic-Con? Because it was Wales Comic-Con. And I walked down and showed him where the entrance was. Well, there you go. We're firm friends now. <laughs> How many Being Red Dwarf fans can say that? 
and so what did you, from your unique perspective of having walked Robert Llewellyn to a car park, <laughs> make of the new episode? Well, obviously, me and my friend Rob was the best one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, he'll be so mad at me if I don't say that. Um, <laughs> quite liked Hitler, which is a really odd thing to I say out loud. Hitler. But Hitler yeah, was great. fan of Hitler. Uh, don't tell my mum, she'll be really cross well, there me are, for saying it. There now. are more of those in the world now than there was when the episode was filmed. It was quite prescient in a way. Yeah, no, I, re- I really enjoyed it. It was really, really funny. It was really good to sit down and kind of watch it with you guys as, you know, knowing what you guys do and mm-hmm. your, like, fan love of it. And, you know, I used to be a lot more into it back in the day in my youth. But it was, yeah, no, it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, my kind of thing was, um, yeah, I saw it recorded. It was the only one of Series 12 that I managed to get to. And so I, and it was a long time ago <laughs> that it was recorded. It really yeah. was. It was what, March or February 2016. Yeah. So a year and a half ago, at least. And was it recorded as episode one? It was the third one recorded. Third one. Um, yeah, in series 11 and 12, they've been chopping and changing them a bit. I'm not 100% sure. I think most of the rest of the series is in order. I think it's it's only cured and maybe one or two others. I'm sure people will tell us if I'm wrong that have been moved about. They will. But yeah, anyway. But all the ones was... that were recorded as episode ele- series yes. 11 were series 11 and yes, there are just a few... moved around in the series, yeah. not between series. Yeah. Right, yeah, there you. are a few little differences and, well... Uh, there are some scenes that were shot for series 11 as pickups after they changed the set around for series 12. Oh. So, for instance, you first see this version of the sleeping quarters in Twentica, the first episode of series oh. 11, and then it goes back for the rest of series 11. Oh, maybe that's why I didn't notice anything was yeah. different. Right, OK. It's only subtle changes, really. Yeah. Uh, the living room, there's a... Uh, the living room, the uh, <laughs> sleeping quarters, there's a few little differences. Yeah. Anyway, it was so long ago that it was recorded that it, I'd, a version of the episode had been built up in my head which wasn't that accurate to what was on screen. Just certain things on the night. It was quite... Um, I reread my set report and I must confess that I can't remember everything that I'm referring to in my set report because it was a long time ago. But, um, yeah, I mentioned then that uh, there was a lot of things were retaken. There was a lot of stop-start stuff yeah. on the night. And so some scenes, I think, felt more prominent at the recording mm-hmm. than they would do on TV when everything's mm-hmm. chopped down and edited as it should be. I'd I'd remembered the Hitler selfie as being a much bigger moment in the episode. And I don't know whether it's because of the way the ad break is played, so it's just afterwards, but we were laughing at that for so long. Yeah. And then the ad break comes and it kind of truncates the laugh, so it fails it felt on the night like that was a bigger centrepiece to the episode. Oh, see, see, to me, the the ad break coming directly after that was good. Yeah, because I, um, it's one of those things where I didn't watch it with everyone else because I wasn't invited to. I watched <laughs> it entirely on my own on on UK TV Play, but I laughed out loud, which is quite a rare thing. I mean, you can enjoy something when you're on your own, but I don't often laugh out loud. But I did at that thing, yeah. so it, it was so unexpected <laughs> and the cut was so good and his face it was so marvellous in every in every bit of this episode but no I, I thought the ad break coming there was perfect it was like what? It, it's structurally as well it is I mean we're skipping ahead a bit but <laughs> structurally it's it's yeah it's a good way it's a good delineation of the episode it's like the first half is all set up mm-hmm. and that's why you sort of said yeah, r- rather start. than the first seven eighths, yeah, <laughs> set up, and then the last eighth being just some sort of tagline, and then the end credits. Yeah, yeah. But uh, did you like it though? I did. I was a little underwhelmed yesterday 
when I first watched it compared to the version that was in my head. However, we watched it again today as a little refresher before we went live, and I much preferred it. So I'm really glad I watched it a second time before doing this, because I would have been a lot more negative, I think. Oh. There's, there's, there's a few imperfections in it, like there are in anything, but yeah, I think it was a really solid start. And I think, yeah, the the opening scene is a lot better the second time you watch it, because you know that it's going to pay off. Yeah. You know that it's all relevant. Yeah, I did. I did have that sort of slightly sinking feeling of here's another completely irrelevant bit mm. that's just there to pad out the beginning until whatever happens happens. And then even starting up the Starbuck sequence, once you know that that's relevant yes. as well to the resolution of the plot, Jeez, everything was relevant. Yeah. What 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 madness is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not always the case in Red Dwarf where things make sense. No, very rarely. Right. And 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 the. I remember just seeing the, the one engine wasn't working on Starbuck and thinking, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if that... Yeah, immediately paid off mm. by the turning left thing, which was actually quite funny. Yeah. It's good to get comedy from an effect shot. Yeah. It's something that Red Dwarf and very few other shows can do. Really. <laughs> um, however, if I'm being nitpicky, which this which is, is going to be entirely hell on. to do. Uh, I don't like particularly the effect shot of Starbuck turning left. It's very clearly... A sort of very flat animation. It's very tiny, yeah. As well, I was. I, I remember thinking when I saw it that if this was in like series five or six, you would have definitely seen a big close-up of Starbuck suddenly lurching to the left. And but it was all very far. Away. Yeah. Was that? Do you, do you know if that any of that was model work? Um, the series in general is a mix of model work and CGI. I mean, it's much better CGI than we're used to in Red Dead. It is. Yeah. It it doesn't immediately it, leap yeah. out. The fact I had to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good like. Mike Tucker always says that the best compliment that you can pay to any effects work is is not being sure how it's done. Yeah. yeah. And then just taking it on face value and not really questioning it. I mean, the base on its own looked to me like a model. I, mean, I think I'd, so. Yeah. I think what they're doing is augmenting and, and sort of marrying the two together much better than, than yeah. Red Dwarf has done before. And for Series 12 as well, uh, some of the model shoot for both series was uh, done without... Mike Tucker, basically, yeah. and, oh. Mike, and Mike Tucker was there for some of it, yeah. right. and I think, uh, I, well, hopefully the the DVD when it comes out will clarify exactly which bits right. were, had Mike's sort of fingerprints on them and which didn't. I think he was involved in the Starbug, uh, the hangar, in the hangar. Nice. Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, that was the model unit made the um, yes, the London plate. Yeah. yeah, it was one of those things where it suddenly cut to that, and I didn't pay any attention because it felt such a red dwarf thing to cut to. Yeah, and then I thought, oh no, hang on, this is a new series. This is really exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, in 1992, that would be exactly what you expect. Yeah, yeah, but now you don't, and it's just like I, I, I had that sort of feeling through the whole episode in a weird sort of way that I wasn't noticing things in a good way, mm. and then I suddenly thought, hang on, this is new red dwarf. We haven't necessarily had things done so casually and so well before in other episodes. Mm. And not not that it's been bad before, but there was something about this that just felt sort of confident. Yeah, as if um, the the place they the, the research base they landed in, I believed in it in a way that with some previous episodes of the new stuff, I've noticed that you get one set, yeah, and you're very much on that set. And here is that set, and we've made that set, so you're going to see that set. <laughs> With this one, it felt like we were seeing lots of little bits, really casually done, not not pointing them out, but they were just happening. And so I believed in that location in a way that, say, with Legion, mm. I know that was on location in certain parts, but I believed in all the separate bits. They felt like one cohesive whole, and I felt that with this as well. I think uh, they made good use of which bits to pre-record and which bits to do live. 
So on the night, it was the Starbucks set, the sleeping quarters set, and the big main sort yeah. of science room. Yeah. Um, and everything else was, was VT. So obviously doing things without the audience there allows you yeah. to film on smaller areas. And also had ceilings and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just in little bits of corridor and little bits of, you know, just various bits of that base. Yeah. And um, it, it didn't feel like you were seeing everything from exactly the same angle each time. Yeah. Which I felt a little bit with the new stuff. It felt like it was really shot a bit more dynamically. I don't know if that's true, but it, it felt like that anyway. I think you can kind of... Doug, Doug's style is... A, a lot of people disagree about Doug as a director about his style, whether it's as as good or as bad as, as what went before. But I think you can see uh, a style emerging throughout yeah. Red Dwarf, throughout the, the newer series, because he started directing him Back to Earth, and that was obviously not what he wanted to direct. He didn't want to make a single camera on location yeah. version of Red Dwarf. He wanted to make proper audience Red Dwarf. And now he's got more practice at that. This is his third yeah. series of... Which is not an easy thing to do. No, <laughs> no. And I, I don't think there was anything in this episode where I felt, oh, that's a clunky shot. Mm. Or that's obviously cut to a close-up of a previous shot to make it look... It, it felt very very fluid and, and very every shot was doing what it should do. There were a few lines of dialogue that yeah. I noticed were a little bit sloppy. There's, I think it was... I, am I right in thinking, Joe, that on the night there was a lot of retakes and a lot of... Yeah. Uh, and I think you can sometimes tell that they'd either not quite got everything they mm-hmm. wanted or were having to use a combination of different takes. Yeah. There was a, a line from Rimmer uh, where mm. he's, it really sounds like he's stumbling over it. I wrote it down. Oh, there somewhere. was, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. He says, just... uh, the thruster. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I didn't that. really feel like Rimmer was in this episode until about two-thirds of the way through. Mm. It felt like that he was just there doing... Rimmerish lines in a in a very sort of perfunctory way. He was like you know in in the poker game at the beginning, he needn't have been there to be honest. He was just there to yeah, look he didn't really slightly anything, no, nothing. He no, he, said, he mentioned Morris Dunster monthly. Well, yeah, throwing back to series eight. <laughs> and there was even a bit like you say he stumbled over something in Starbuck, and then once they walked onto the corridor set of the research base, he was giving some lines that was sort of like no 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 listy blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Might as well have not been there. It wasn't until he sort of got some character stuff to do. It's just like we're going to leg it at three a.m. And yeah. like, I thought, oh, that's 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 rumor. That scene there um, has generated a little bit of debate about Rimmer's attitude towards wheelchair users. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I thought, I, it, was, I thought it was really that Rimmer. That was, for me, the biggest laugh-out-loud moment of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because I like I'd, I remembered the Hitler selfie. Yeah. I remembered the other big Hitler moment, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'd forgotten that, that, that no, joke. That, that and part, it was so it was funny. So it's petty. so in character for Rimmer. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's not The show is not endorsing attitudes like that. That's just no. Rimmer. That's in it's, character. It was you're allowed. You're allowed to do that kind of humour if it's in character, and it's not. <laughs> and also, immediately cut to Lister. Almost, I, I don't think he actually rolled his eyes, but his acting rolled its eyes. Yeah. it's like right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll ignore that. It was. Yeah, it just sort of felt and the right. De- the detail of the big toilet with the red cord. The fancy <laughs> red cord. <laughs> That's what you're jealous of. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Hitler. <laughs> Hitler, then. Let's all talk about Hitler, shall we? I bloody loved Hitler. <laughs> Hitler, Hitler turning up in in popular British sci-fi things is often very funny. I I really like the Doctor Who episode "Let's Kill Hitler," for instance, <laughs> uh, which I rewatched recently. But yeah, I feel as a general rule, the camper the Hitler, the better. Yes, <laughs> uh, and this was a camp Hitler. This was a camp oh. old Hitler. Was it Daniel? 
Gage. Yeah, what's the guy's name? Ryan, Ryan Gage. Gage is no Ryan Gage. I thought yeah. he was wonderful. From The Hobbit. He's oh. in The Hobbit. And The Musketeers. And The Musketeers. He's King Louis, not of the Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he was great. And <laughs> one of his lines in particular, on the night, um, he did about, what, six or seven takes yeah. of the... the oh, side. that is actually mine. When he, uh, when he <laughs> finds the <laughs> Every single time he did it in a completely different way. Yeah, he put the emphasis on different yeah. bits. and the, it was Every single time he did it, it was, it was really funny. He's he very good. Uh, yeah, another of my favourite lines from the episode is, it's because I'm Hitler, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Pick the moment where Clay was about to blow some wine and made him laugh. Good. <laughs> I just thought he was wonderful. You know, you, you you sometimes get those turns in Red Dwarf where they they can make or break... It, not that it made or break the, break the episode, it was good anyway, but he mm. was just so wonderful. I was a little bit sad that there was um, that line towards the end of going, he didn't look much like Hitler. <laughs> when Whereas, you know, obviously the other ones did actually look quite like mm. the people they were meant to be. Maybe not Messalina so much, but... I I didn't think it needed that. It almost, like, undercut his it brilliance. Well... Let's talk about the twist ending, mm. because I'm sure there's obviously big Hitler things to come back to. But I've been wondering, because I saw this being recorded 18 months ago, uh, obviously I knew the twist was coming. Was it, for Helena and, and Clay, was it actually a surprise? Did you see it coming, the the switch to reveal that the Professor was the baddie and the rest were all droids? I I saw the professor as the baddie coming. Yes. Yeah. He just seemed he he hadn't had enough um, time on screen to make him anything. Yeah. So I knew he would be made something at the end, and it was probably going to be the baddie. I didn't see the droid thing coming. No. No. I <laughs> I, I'm not even sure why it was necessary. Mm. I suppose it was because otherwise you would have had to find a way to explain what happened to the real people have, when the thing hit. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. you'd, have, you'd have had to have Hitler as a new regular character. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it was just a way to say they're not real people, yeah. so when the little planetoid hits, it doesn't it's really fine. matter. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. We're but, not killing more people off. <laughs> no, yes. Yeah, he seems to have taken note of that. But I mean, they do. They do kill the yes, baddie. Yes, but he's, but the, he's baddie. the baddie. Yeah. It's not I, just I think I was unsure what? about it on the night of the recording. So it's, I mentioned in the set report, <laughs> the problem with being vague and, and spoiler-free in those set reports is now that I can't quite remember exactly <laughs> what I'm referring to when I read them back. <laughs> but I said that something happens towards the end that's happened a little too often in Red Dwarf recently, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, I think it was. Okay. It's the casual manner in which here's a human being, Lister's not the last human being anymore, oh no, he's dead. I was a bit annoyed about that early on when they found these people yeah. who had been cloned. And I was like, oh, so there's now another six or seven people <laughs> yeah. and no one really seems fussed. Well, it's... But it is, like you said, it's happened so many times. We found so yeah. many other people beyond the last human... Uh, uh, but I, So I suppose in a way I was glad they were robots. But On that uh, level, yeah. But also I didn't understand the thing where you said... He was a, a particular scientist. I turned into what? What, what do you mean? You, mm. you. So the other ones who did really look like Vlad the Impaler, and um, who was the other one? Um, and Stalin. And Stalin. They really looked like them. <laughs> so they just happened to be other scientists who looked like those people, <laughs> yeah, and that was why you chose to turn them Stalin's into Stalin's great great grandson. Doesn't really scientist. make any sense. I don't get. I that. mean, to be fair, 
Stalin does look an awful lot like uh, the fan club Angus Bacho suits Alex Newsom. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> I was about to, that was one of my small points for later. But I'm sorry. I would say he looks like a cross between Alex Newsom and uh, Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart. <laughs> Specifically in Battlefield, when he's a little bit older, <laughs> towards the end of the 80s, it's the moustache and the kind of yeah. vaguely military... I they really both look like, like pictures you see of those people. I oh, yeah. Maybe they should, yeah. could have gone for hot Stalin. <laughs> Because there's hot Stalin, isn't there, when he was younger? Am I thinking of the right dictator? <laughs> so so, are, so were those people the people who were... The, I mean, what were they? I feel, I think the explanation is that they... I didn't care. I mean, see what I said. <laughs> yeah. I didn't care at the time. But, it was fine. It all worked fine. But when you're, but you're, when you're thinking about examining it, it yeah, for the purposes of... It a... doesn't really make any sense. They were, they were those people, but I dressed them up to look like these historical characters. And I also think, they're yeah. robots... What the, imp- <laughs> the implication is yeah. that they are all just dressed up as the famous historical characters. Yeah. What, so what for? <laughs> well, this is the this is the thing because, like, obviously they were droid they were droids of um, scientists, which like originally. What? Who so were, oh, hang on. So they weren't originally. He was the patient. He was the patient, he but was, but they were droids originally anyway. And they were droids originally anyway, but they were like sort of droids. The people sign- that uh, the people that ran the facility looked, yeah, were right. droids. They looked like the scientists. They were sort of, so they were original scientists, but sort of back on Earth. And then their robot clones yeah. ran <laughs> this. Uh, <laughs> you know. And then he dressed those robot <laughs> clones up as well, this famous historical Why fascists. Did you do that? <laughs> And, and was... made some special labels to put on their things in case I anyone mean, should come along. This is the thing. Like... It's in case anyone comes along is the is the is. The, but the then I guess part. if he it depends because obviously we have no idea how long he's been there. So obviously he'd been there long enough to reprogram the droids. So for he's been reason. there long enough to reprogram these droids, knowing that there's no way for him to get away. And, and as so Pete Martin points himself... out, the droids what, what, what don't know their droids. Um, because um, United America had made sure that he he had no way to get off of that plat of oh, the station. Oh, so Star- Starbuck yeah. was the only way he could have got away. That's yeah. where he so, the only, so he basically put himself yeah. into stasis with this kind of story ready. <laughs> so, that so if that anyone if should anyone come along, happen to come actually, along. Actually, that sort of works. It's he is a psychopath. There. He is a psychopath. He planned ahead, and you know. If you're there by yourself for a really long time, maybe you come up with these plans. Yeah, <laughs> I really like the cat psychopath thing. Yeah, that, I mean, it fits that was one of those things yeah. which, and it was again, which you could almost see as like a oh, that's a bit of a thing for. A, but no, it works. He's not a killing psychopath. He has all of those other. They yeah, things. they establish earlier on that there's the you know there's psychopaths, and then you know being a psychopath doesn't mean you're a killer. It's a lot more yeah. common than you might think. It's if you fit these characteristics and. They seeded the whole episode with examples of Cat displaying those characteristics yeah. in a way that you just thought that they were. I, it's again, it's it's similar to the opening scene. There's a the bit where they rescue Rimmer from the waste disposal, and Cat is sort of saying, "No, let's keep him there." <laughs> I, at the time, I thought, "Oh, that's just you know standard disposable Cat stuff." But it's actually... probably a little bit filler. Like you don't really need a joke here. Let's just get on with the plot. But actually, that's just an example of the Cat being a psychopath. In a, in in a very catty, endearing way. There was there was something I was wondering, which was, it almost felt like they were trying uh, with, with Crichton impaled on the broom. It's like they were going, this is the sort of thing Vlad the Impaler would do. Mm. But the other things weren't necessarily things you would expect. The other three, it was like yeah. Hitler buried him alive. No, 
don't really get the the other uh, when the flames when the flames yeah you can't it. do <laughs> it's not like you can do a gas chamber no. you're not going to do that but also Messalina nobody knows what she poisoned someone but th- there was nothing poisonous it's now a good time to admit that I don't really know who Messalina is I only know her from my Claudius ah well, there you go and if you haven't seen that everyone listening I'm sorry watch I Claudius <laughs> it's the best thing ever. <laughs> Uh, genuinely it's like a it's like dynasty except with togas um, but yeah yeah so it, there was almost something a bit strange about hitler's lighter and it almost felt like it needed one slight tweak just mm. to make it clear that these were all supposed to make everyone think it was the robots well not yeah. the robot the the historical figures who had done it but only the crichton one actually actually the crichton headless thing was really good I liked it. I saw um, people have pointed out on Gene I think it was Pete Martin pointed out that you can see the shadow from his actual head on his, I did look on his at thing. That. But... I did look for that. I yeah. didn't necessarily see it. <laughs> but it, I thought it was done really well. I mean, presumably his head is wrapped in green and yeah. and the whole thing's on green screen. But it's but really I thought well you could done. see the back of the neck and yeah. it, was, it, it was very convincing. I, yeah, I really liked it. And the, just the visual of him on a broom is, yes, is very funny. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, yes oh and also can I just say Danny immediately firing the gun in the guy's face Mm. was so perfectly timed so casual and so right I mean Danny Danny steals episodes these days whereas you know for ages and ages he didn't necessarily have good stuff done for him he Mm. just got some very stock lines in the new series he has been absolutely brilliant and I thought his ending of just going fire right we're going now yeah. it was so <laughs> good <laughs> and nobody made a big fuss about it yeah. it wasn't like going cat you've done it like, yep yeah, we'll just go <laughs> perfect pokey face pokey face <laughs> <laughs> yes and it paid off that in- initial scene which is so yeah. rare Sai <laughs> uh, pointed out in our in our chat uh, which you can join in live on speaker.com by the way those listening at home uh, he mentioned that uh, it's said that the cat is the type of psychopath that doesn't kill yeah. and, he, and he then kills the guy <laughs> but as we've said he does have a reason yeah. like, he is the baddie I think it's very different when you're killing the baddie to when you're pushing well, a woman yeah. out of an airlock it's, the choice was he was going to kill all, all of them all yeah. of them or cat kills him so like but also we've we've seen we have seen cat be quite nice sometimes yeah we know that even though he says i'm a cat i don't do these things he does do these things sometimes he does like these guys of course yeah. and it, I th- that's the whole reveal as well that it that it was all his poker face he knew what he was up to all along yeah. like his oh, yeah. his switching back and forth between the two <laughs> was yeah. made to i this is my interpretation of it it was made. He did that to make the professor think that he was being a cat and mm-hmm. being yeah. disloyal and and moving from one to the other. But I think he knew exactly what he was doing because he instantly said, "Give me the gun and I'll do it." Yeah. Why would you do that if that wasn't your plan all along? It was funny because I accepted it even before the poker face line because I wasn't expecting the poker thing to play off in any way. At all. <laughs> and then when it did, I almost like punched the air and like, "God, this is really clever." <laughs> oh. Um. So then, should we um, should we address the uh, the elephant in the room, which is the unexpected, I would say, visual in an episode of Red Dwarf of Dave Lister back to back with Adolf Hitler <laughs> jamming a German folk tune <laughs> in soft rock form on electric guitar? And would you believe it? Well, you would. This is G and T. But the most controversial part about that scene is 
how come Lister can play guitar quite well now? Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I thought he couldn't play nearly as well as Hitler. As I was watching it, I was going, he's not as I good. Think, and then you cut to Hitler and he's much better. I think it distracted me the first time I watched it yesterday uh, of trying to fit, like trying to look at their hands and try and, and figure out which one was doing the lead, which one was doing ah. rhythm. And like, I thought it sounded pretty bad at the beginning. Yeah. And then suddenly it got much better when Hitler was really taken yeah. over. When it was when it was close-ups of Hitler, I think we heard Hitler's guitar louder in the mix. Yeah. And it's amusing how casual that phrase I seems rolled off the tongue. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, I, I absolutely loved it. I really did. It's a weird choice of song, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> And that's not a criticism, no. it's just a weird choice of song. It is a weird choice of song, but it is incredibly funny. Yeah, maybe, also, maybe it's out of copyright. And also, there was something very sweet and very Lister about, I think we were talking earlier about that line, it's because I'm Hitler, isn't it? <laughs> which is a really good line. And then Lister sort of goes, no, it's because I haven't got a guitar, just because he's being nice. Yeah. And then he seems to really sort of lose himself in the moment and enjoy playing with this guy without necessarily judging him do you know what I mean there's yeah. something really lister about it. and then it takes rumour to go you're doing this <laughs> <laughs> that is Hitler you're doing this yeah. with but Hitler is, it really is a nice guy in this episode um, Avril Levine. Um, <laughs> what, what? actual Avril well someone in our live chat has the face and name Avril Levine. Hi, Avril. Uh says Lister Lister I guess had decades of space loneliness in order to learn the guitar so if yeah. he has got better, have then... we had much Lister playing guitar not. these last few series? Um, he poses with his like he's, he uses his guitar as a prop a little bit. Yeah. Like, he features yeah. in Fathers and Sons where he gets flushed gets, out yeah, so into space. The last time we properly saw him play was probably series seven. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah so it's well, been a while. It yeah. has been a while. So. There's nine years between series also, eight. I, I don't think he played he it that well in the yeah. series. <laughs> and also, maybe this is the one song he learned because you had to. You have to realise he would have had yeah. to choose something that Hitler would also know. <laughs> Which is... Yeah. I can't believe we're saying these sentences. <laughs> the song always reminds me... There's a sketch in the Fast Show where there's people rambling. It's one of the, the rare sort of sketches that goes on for ages and ages and ages and then there's a punchline. It's the really long shots of a group of them rambling through the hills with one guy at the back singing that song really enthusiastically <laughs> until oh, Paul Whitehouse doing it, and then I think it's Mark Williams comes and just punches him out. Have you ever seen <laughs> that, that episode of Victoria Wood Presents? where oh, okay. it, I think it's literally called Valderie, Valderie. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Hitler's <laughs> was Another high brilliant. Oh, as really was, good. Joe, you mentioned earlier, was one of your favourite bits, the tea tray. Oh, yes, I really like that. It's just a little touch... So he comes in with the little tea tray <laughs> over his shoulder and puts the tea tray down and realises that his arm's almost in a salute and quickly puts it down. I think that was why I was a slightly... Even though it works brilliantly in terms of story and stuff, that's why I was slightly sad about the robot thing because we didn't sort of get a goodbye for Hitler. He was suddenly... <laughs> no, I, I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> this is me going... A couple of years ago I was going, I really fancied Jesus. And I'm going... <laughs> Um, but there was something so sweet about that characterization that he gets. I mean, he did do a very funny robot walk off set. Yeah. Half, half robot walk, half goose step. I yes. it was a lovely touch. <laughs> but there was something a bit sad that we sort of really got to know him as a character and then he was no longer a character. It didn't gone. matter for the plot. Mm. Yeah. But it did work for the plot, so, you know, you give it a, yeah. a pass, really. Uh, there's, well, let's go back to the beginning. There's controversy. Uh, going on about the way, and this is this is the level of detail we'd like to get into here. Uh, I'm sure it's something you're accustomed to. Uh, 
Yeah, it was it was just like that on Totally Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way that the series... I'm really glad my, 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 my career trajectory has gone from, <laughs> from primetime B- well, children's BBC to a podcast. <laughs> a in podcast. ten years, I'm doing really well. In a living room in Ealing. <laughs> I'm hoping eventually to just be under a bridge shouting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... The uh, the way that the Red Dwarf Twelve logo animates on screen. I really like that. Four four little sticks come in and then they resolve and two of them cross over and make the X. People re- people are looking for meaning in it. Do you think there is any? No, I don't think so. No, <laughs> I just thought it, it actually almost made me laugh out loud. I just thought that's really sweet. <laughs> just to make it boing. <laughs> it's kind of it cute. Was, it was kind of cute, and I'm glad it wasn't that strange cut. Red Dwarf logo oh, that we yeah. had on the trailers. Yes, you know, it was sort of like the D was slightly cut by the, the letters the in the middle. The were, yeah. yeah, I just like that they did something because it just sort of appeared. In, in it's become 11. a kind of tradition uh, that there's something different about the, the sort of nameplate each time. I think from series, the series seven changed it by having the seven massive and the Red Dwarf tiny. Yeah, series eight had it animate on screen for the first time, and since then there's always been some sort of animation accompanying the the series yeah, yeah. the series number. I mean, I like this. I mean. I have to say, the first time I saw it, I did think, what did I just see? Was that meant to indicate... But then I realised, no, it's just a sweet way to show... Well, there's a couple of theories as to what it might indicate. Oh. One of them is that it's a representative of the four characters, yeah. which I think you could interpret it like that, but then why? why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but why? And another thing is that it's the fourth series on Dave, uh, but the 12th, the 12th overall. overall. I don't think... You know, it's not like... People talk about Doctor Who as series one slash twenty, whatever it is. Yeah, I don't think it's like yeah, that. And also, Back to Earth isn't really a series, uh, yeah. so I don't know about that. No, I just think it was a, a slightly sweet way for some animators to go. Look, I've done this. Isn't this sweet? I, and they went, yeah, yeah, that's good. I think yeah, that's what it is. But I think this is Red Dwarf yeah, fans. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any particular meaning in it. I well, think I, it I can't think of any thing. meaning that would that would make any sense. Yeah, or also maybe they just went, hey, "Let's do this and let's see them go mad." Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. That's the sort of thing I'd do. Yeah, <laughs> I want to talk about something very, very important, and that is the branding around the episodes. Uh, there's a UK TV new policy that I think. It's only really it started to become a thing in the last month or so, last couple of months maybe. It's on the new Taskmaster and on Porters. Um, all UK TV originals have uh, a certain way of... There's a little ident at the start to mark them as UK TV originals. Oh, okay. Um, so that's the kind of the definitive broadcast proper version of, of Red Dwarf 12. Oh. Will have, it's, it's like they used to have Screen 1 back in the day. Yeah. On, on, and they, they do now in fact have... A BBC drama original ident in front of they Doctor do, Who yeah, and things yeah. like that, don't they? I did notice it, but I, I'd already sat through like seventy-eight That's seconds thing, of adverts, and it just yeah. felt like part of that until I was counting down three, two, one. Yeah. It's it's just not like a blank piece of paper was. What, yeah, what it's like this? yeah, it's um, it's a it sort of um, represents various aspects of production. I think there's a clapperboard and a script and things like that, and it, it's yeah, yeah, the writing on the on the clipboard a UK TV original production. Uh, but I think yeah, on UK TV Play, you don't really, it doesn't feel like part of it because it's one of several things that you've skipped through. Yeah, I mean they 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 don't actually uh, delineate between each separate advert. It's yeah. just you get a countdown to until your program starts, and that's yeah. basically the last five seconds. Yeah, so I think when it's on TV, it will it will be sort of after the continuity announcement, after the break bumper, uh, the the sort of sponsorship bumper, yeah. then you get UK TV Original Sting into the theme tune. 
No, it works. It works lovely at the start. It, it's not like it mixed into it with yeah. a terrible, you know. Oh yeah, it's still clear. Started, and like, yeah. I, I would doubt that the version on the DVD will have that. I, I would have thought yeah, that it would not. just be yeah. standard. However, the oh. end. The there is also um, a new way of doing the end boards for UK TV originals, where it's they've got basically a, a standard uh, a, t- a template. Where it's just uh, it says UK TV originals in big uh, writing, and then buy, and then the production company logo and the date. All right. And this is a huge change for Red Dwarf. <laughs> mm. It's something that very few people care about, but it is a huge change for Red Dwarf because now, the uh, at the end of the credits, instead of the timing of the end of the theme tune, having the Grunt Nader logo come on screen, as yeah. has been the case since Series Four, and also the Baby Cow logo now. Um, it fades to black. It fades. The, the, the theme tune ends. And it fades to black, and then there's a new item that comes up that has the Grant oh. Naylor and Baby Carol logos on them. And uh, so, what is the definitive version of the credit sequence for this series? God, I wish I cared. I feel like <laughs> I feel like if John was here, John would <laughs> this care. would be a bigger yeah. conversation. There is a feeling but if we were talking about Windows on the TARDIS or something, then no, no, yeah. I know, I know. Oh, God, I can't really talk. But, <laughs> but frankly, I think don't you think in, the, in this day and age, there's almost no definitive version of anything. Mm. As long as you've got, as long as the actual um, you know episode itself hasn't been cut around, or, even though that's you know rare these days that yeah. you actually get the proper version of an episode. I think there isn't. It's whatever you choose to say. Is it the version that was shown on Dave? Mm. Is it the version you saw online? Is it the version on the DVD? You get to choose. Which has the ad break cut out, and so there's often different bits of, of bridging footage or yeah. music works slightly differently. It's it's so difficult. It's like, and also, you know, yeah, I don't know. There 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 used to be an answer to these things, mm. and you know, you could say it is this. It's the and version almost, that was on BBC yeah, Two, at and this almost date, everyone yeah. would agree with that. But now, it's kind of you just takes your choice, really, don't you? You know, yeah. whether whether you are someone who will buy the DVD and then be very annoyed. It's like I just sort of lost interest with Doctor Who after a while. It's just like I don't know. Is, is it going to have the misspelling in the in the credits? <laughs> yeah. Is it going to have you know um, a BBC Wells logo at the end instead of the? Will it have Graham Norton over the picture? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, what do you choose as the actual definitive version? <laughs> and basically, it's whatever you feel most comfortable with. Yeah. I, well, although we don't know what the DVD is going to look like. No, I mean, were they... Be, and that's why I'm thinking about the, the way the end versions work, is that this is only a very recent change. Well, to, how, uh, how did Series DVD 11 work in terms of the ad break? Because I haven't seen the DVD. Well, the DVD, they, uh, they cut out the ad break, basically. They removed the bumpers and sort of melded the two together. Did it so work that... okay, or did it look a There's bit... There's an article. There's an article on GNT that of John did, um, sort of breaking <laughs> it down bit by bit. He said, I think his gist was that most of them, he prefers that version. Sometimes the ad break, uh, as ad breaks do, sometimes they provide a nice bit of punctuation. I think the way Doug works, and this is just an assumption, speculation as to his yeah. creative process on my part... I think he he writes thirty minute episodes and doesn't really think about ad break placement. He he's writing them the same way he he did write a thirty minute episode for the BBC. Right. So his structure is you know three acts, beginning, middle, end. How, he how, sometimes gets the proportions of beginning, middle, and end a bit. Yeah. A bit, a bit. How, how long are the episodes in total? They're thirty minutes still. Well, twenty nine minutes or whatever. They uh, are they really? Yeah. What, even, Oh really? So how, what's the time slot they get on day? They get a forty-minute slot on day. Oh, I didn't realise. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I thought this was one of the best setup episodes. It felt like the first half until the ad break was all set up, 
yeah. after that was all exploring the situation and then payoff. So I don't know whether this is Doug adapting his writing to the way that you know the, to reflect the fact that he's now on a commercial channel, or whether it's just a coincidence for this episode that it that it well, works out. Saying that, that, I do remember because I, I watched them in two separate halves. Is it the first half was about eleven minutes, mm. and then it was like. What eighteen minutes or so? Yeah. <laughs> second half, so it wasn't exactly half, but it, it worked really well. I thought. Yeah, I think maybe it's the way that they, maybe it does have that flexibility. It's not always slap bang in the middle. It's not at the fifteen yeah. minute mark. So maybe they they make the episodes in a certain way and then choose where to place the others. Yeah, maybe. I suppose we'll see as the series goes on whether yeah. it works as well in other episodes. But I thought it worked alright for me. Yeah. Uh Right. Is there is there any other big things to talk about about uh, cured that we haven't mentioned? Do you think uh, we will be moving on uh, and having some small points later on? Uh, When's the ad break? I've run out of wine. Well, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. Yes, there's an ad break coming. Oh, sorry. I should have said that. Oh well, we might as well go to that then. Um, Hooray! So uh, wine. <laughs> keep your comments coming in via our Spreaker page or by tweeting us at Ganymede. Do you see how smoothly I go back into the scripted stuff? It's it's remarkable. Yes, it's work. amazing. Um, we will shortly be handling your small points. Uh, so if there are any minor details from Cured that we haven't yet covered, uh, now is the time to tell us about them. And we'll be right back after these messages. These misguided individuals and some of their curious adventures aboard the Red Dwarf are available on VHS from BBC Video and a salutary lesson to any self-respecting space cadet who's looking for the meaning of life. This is because the Red Dwarf crew have never ever been acquainted with the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Don't panic, because this invaluable tool and its remarkable stories are available on Earth in three formats, video, CD and cassette. BBC Video, the answer to life, the universe and everything. It's looking so dirty. What are we going to do? Jeff Microliquid, where are you? I'm Jeff Microliquid. Okay, I'm small, but I've got micro power. With one tiny capful, I clean and dry to a brighter shine. That's micro power. See what I mean? Jeff Microliquid, where are you? Coming. Just a couple of drops on greasy dirt, and I give a better clean. Better, got it? Everywhere. That's why everyone's shouting. Just micro liquid, where are you? He outshines ordinary liquids. Hey, P. Remember the good old days on the farm? Remember your pod? And all the little peas that you grew up with? Don't you miss them? Right, next. Hey, P. Remember the good old days? Nobody makes peas mushy like bachelors. Whoa! I can't go out like this, man. I mean, I'm naked. Sure, I'm smooth, but I need a look. Aha! Now, let's see. Stripes. Ugh. Red? No. Check's quite nice. Oh, no. Ah! Can I get away with that? Of course I can! Wow! Cooler than a snowman's cold bits. Polo Spearmint. Cool look, cool taste. Play the McDonald's one and a half million pound Monopoly game. There are thousands of great prizes to win instantly, or by collecting the stickers on special cups and fry boxes. We're giving away ten mini Mayfairs. United Vacations Holidays in America. 
Lots of free McDonald's, including Big Macs and Coca-Cola. And even the chance to win £50,000! Big Macs all round! Go directly to McDonald's and play the one and a half million pound Monopoly game. Captain's Log, Stardate 1992. Flight recordings are being sent to us by three important space vessels. The Liberator, the TARDIS, and Red Dwarf. It hasn't worked. What happened? Well, Lister altered the timelines. Give me the Star Trek wacko jackal. Where is it? I lost it. Absolutely ridiculous. Think of something. I'm thinking. Perhaps we could try a mind swap. Captain's Log Supplemental. I've agreed to the loan of my first officer's holographic mind print. Well, it'll take a few seconds for the timelines to sort themselves out, and then we'll see if it's worked. BBC Video have boldly brought us Doctor Who, Blake Seven, and Red Dwarf. Well done, Mr. Spock. Honestly, ad breaks are so repetitive these days. Now, before we get on to your small points, uh, I wonder... Can anyone in this room tell me exactly what I'll be doing this time next year? Oh, that would be me, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, I assume you'd be joining me under a bridge just shouting at people. <laughs> well, with any luck. <laughs> Hello. Um, yeah, so this time next year, um, we will be... Millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. And if so, there will not be a dimension jump. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we will be right in the middle of Dimension Jump right now. Yes. It will be the Saturday of Dimension we'll Jump. We'll be getting nicely tipsy. Um, I'm doing that now. <laughs> so, yes, um, it's the 5th to the 7th of October next year. Um, and the tickets go on sale on Friday. This coming Friday, the 13th. Ooh. Ooh. So the day after uh, Cured is on telly, you can get your tickets. This is correct. It's almost as if you planned it that way. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and I assume that um, any announcements, uh, any further news, any announcements about guests all will be coming up in the next year or so. And But where can people find <laughs> out? <laughs> <laughs> where can people find out this information, Joe? Oh, it's funny you should ask that. Uh, we uh, have a website, oh, um, we? which is dimensionjump.info. Or you have our Twitter accounts, um, just the main fan club account, or we also have a fan club DJ account, um, or on Facebook. We are all over the socials, my oh, friend. Oh, that's good. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Thanks. Now, <laughs> before we get... Uh, uh, no, I've read that bit already. Small points. It's time for some small points. Uh, does anyone in the room have any small points, minor details of the episode that they'd like to discuss? I really liked the doomy red dwarf uh, sort of uh, jingle, not jingle, but the little bit of music they played at the beginning. Because I'm, mm. I'm such a sort of fanboy of the early series, there was something I loved about the fact that when the episode title used to come up, it used to go dun dun, like the most depressing thing. <laughs> there was something really depressing about those early series, just undercutting everything. And when we saw Red Dwarf at the beginning of this episode, it was very much the sort of like not the sort of lovely Red Dwarf. <laughs> so I liked that. I couldn't. I couldn't notice. I didn't know if there was any new music in this. I didn't notice the music it's, in a good way. It's a mix between some reused cl- cues from earlier series uh, and some Howard Goodall originals uh, that he's done oh. for series eleven and twelve. And I think the my favourite bit, and I assume that this is a new recording and not library, but I might be wrong. 
um, where during the complicated Starbug startup sequence, there was really sort of triumphant music yeah. alongside it, which it was just a juxtaposition of they could have gone for a you know a, a, a comedy wah wah tune to accompany the the comedy things that they were doing, but it was it was yeah the combination of the triumphant, exciting, heroic music. I actually thought they played that really well, that start yeah. start it, it wasn't overplayed for comedy. And when, when that final thing of banging the thing to make the lights come on, mm. sort of, I wasn't necessarily waiting for that to happen. Yeah. I just didn't know quite where it was going to go, and it, it worked really well. Well, uh, we've got some small points that our, uh, our viewers have given us. Uh, there's, the chat is quite... <laughs> viewers? Yes. <laughs> that, yeah, that, this was the thing we didn't tell you. Um, oh, I may I may not get round to all of these because uh, uh, I'm quite behind will. on the on the chat because people are talking, which is good. Uh, but Pendo's small point is uh, that when Lister scrubs off the dirt, revealing the names of the evils, next to Vlad the Impaler's name, it reads "Do not leave unattended sharps near patients." <laughs> uh, has anyone else managed to make out any others? I saw on Hitler's one it says, uh, "Please do not criticize his work" or something similar. <laughs> Stalin said something about any unattended items will be will be airbrushed or or something like that. Oh, There's basically a little that. extra joke on all the things. I know this is a pathetic oh. thing to point out, but I know that everyone listening will actually have said the same thing. I really liked the placement of dirt over those names. <laughs> it looked actually like it was really there. And when he rubbed, it wasn't like you know you could see he'd rubbed it off three times in previous takes. Like in, really yeah, in quarantine, yes. in quarantine it looks exactly like that. You can probably see, like the, the sweat marks. That you genuinely left. couldn't see what was under yeah. it until he rubbed it off, and it worked really well. Sorry, God, that's such a pathetic thing. <laughs> Here, hang on, here's a small point that's just occurred to me because there was also the Rupert Murdoch joke, yeah, which I good. liked. Yeah, which worked uh, quite well. So we didn't see his thing, but there, there was a Rupert Murdoch uh, cryo booth. Given what we now know about the professor and his secret plan, what was he called, Professor What? Oh, nobody professor knows. Something. It was he written didn't on make his, much of an impression. It was written really. on his. It was written on his thing. Tyler Taylor something like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, given his Somebody big plan, was. was there a robot Rupert Murdoch somewhere? <laughs> or was that just, or a, was decoy? That just a decoy? <laughs> extra, extra bait. Decoy. Murdoch. I saw someone. Um, uh, it was Pete Dillon Trenchard uh, complaining on Twitter about Rupert Murdoch being a contemporary reference in Red Dwarf. And how oh yeah, fit... Red Dwarf never does that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> contemporary <laughs> references happen all the time. Uh, but his thing was that it seems like, obviously, Hitler and etc. are big historical characters that are going to be remembered by future generations. And he was just wondering whether Rupert Murdoch belonged in that category. To which I reply... Uh, you don't know what Rupert Murdoch is going to do between now and the time mm-hmm. the Red Dwarf is set. Ha. He could well. Your face, PDC. I, I think pretty much you're, you're guaranteed to know that Rupert Murdoch's going to stay around longer than Norway. <laughs> yeah. It just felt, it just it was such a throwaway joke, it was fine, it was good. Yeah. Not responding to treatment, the laugh was done, it was over and done with. I think, I think that was fine. Um, small point from Curtis Threadgold. Um, he points out that the, uh, the original title for this, as revealed on the Series 11 Blu-ray, oh, accidentally, was, was Here, No Evil. H-E-R-E, No that's Evil. That's better. I yeah, think I that's think a really good title. Yeah. I think what's happened is... Yeah, because they... when they announced the new titles, I went back, I was yeah. searching back through Twitter <laughs> to find the, the tweet about the mistaken announcements of the, you know, the Series yeah. 12 on the, on the 11 DVD cover. 
And they were, yeah, I thought most of the changes were fine, but I thought Hear No Evil was much better than Cured. I think what's happened is that they realised, and this is again speculation, I think they've realised that almost all of them were single word episode titles and they wanted to complete the set. Yeah. And so, because Time Wave was originally two words (laughs) and now it's one. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm wondering if that was a deliberate... You know, to keep it neat, keep it regular, but I'd much prefer here. No, it's a pun. Yeah. It, it works. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I like that. It That's really works. Well, you're looking for another small yes. point. Uh, I have a small point, oh, uh, cool. which is um, um, on Dolphy's arm. Um, is a little smiley face yes. instead <laughs> of a swastika, which amuses yes. me greatly. <laughs> also, also, the dragon fruit. Is excellent, which uh, oh, Joey did. mentioned in the comments earlier and reminded me. Uh, he picks up the fruit from the oh, and throws it and pulls out the pin. Oh, I loved him. He's so good. Bless Ryan Gage. Uh, oh, I've got a, a small point from Twitter. Uh, from Magpie, I hope the next Red Dwarf game features a d- Guitar Hero style level where you have to play a virtual guitar and beat Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad the guitar bit didn't sort of outstay its welcome. Yeah, it was obviously, and there was. I was expecting a very big audience round of applause at the end that would make it feel slightly annoying, but there <laughs> wasn't one. There was just a sort of slight smattering. Um, I'm sorry, but the uh, the chat on my laptop has stopped refreshing. Uh, so I'm just going through on my phone. Uh, Pete Part Three has a small point. Uh, the sure art college, the art college mention was actually pretty smart and made up for rehashing the joke in Legion. Uh, yeah, another back reference. I was really pleased to, to hear Lester say me as a as a massive fan of the the first book mm. and the second book. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um. The the whole meme thing is absolutely canon in my brain. So hearing yeah. him say that was really nice. <laughs> Um, Avril Lavigne has a small point. <laughs> could could she make it any more obvious? Uh, I still think it's weird seeing someone using a smartphone to take a photo in Red Dwarf instead of a Polaroid camera. I think smartphones have they've caught up with technology because there was always the I thing. I can't really tell what would it because Hitler sort of reached up. <laughs> I, I was so laughing at the actual gag of the the shot itself. Yeah, I didn't see what when he you was see a second time, he's holding up. He's holding a, a smartphone in his hand, which he then raises. Actually, the, the faces of the crew were really funny in that photo. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's like they've been they've been stranded there for we don't know how long they've been stranded there for. Um, and yeah. as like various things have happened in Red Dwarf, they tend to imply that technology goes. Like I mean, around let, again. Let's be honest, so it's nothing, like the VHSs came back. Whenever they find, whenever CDs. they find anything in Red Dwarf, it doesn't really make sense because Red Dwarf was three million years away from Earth. Yeah. <laughs> so that would mean that anyone they discovered would have to be within about ten or fifteen years of that three million years. Yeah. To 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 reach where they've reached, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Unless they've really upped the um, power of their drives, mm. which maybe they have actually. But yeah, I yeah, I was sort of glad in a way. Like we were saying earlier on, the fact that they found some humans, or seemingly mm. found some humans, and no one made a big fuss about it. It's like you're going, oh, what again? So he's <laughs> yeah. the last human, bar about seventeen. Yeah, well, but they weren't in the, the, end. the except the professor who was, and then they just he just got killed. <laughs> <laughs> the whole place. The 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 world in which Red Dwarf is that the Red Dwarf inhabits currently is a lot more populated than it used to be in general. Yeah. Because like in series eleven they bumped into Butler, 
But Crisis also gave us a potential explanation for it all is that they went into stasis during Crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe they do that between all their adventures. <laughs> yeah. just, they'll, they'll never be a big finish of Red Dwarf because they're in stasis the whole time when we don't see them. I'm just quite, sort of quite glad we don't see Ainsley Harriet quite so much anymore. <laughs> Although we, there was a mention of Ainsley Hitler. Yes. <laughs> there was a potential... <laughs> Potential other version of Hitler. I'm pretty sure on the night he did other other names because I'm sh- like for some reason I've got in my head that he said Alice. Like, I think he just said some different A names. There was a lot of retakes of yeah. that in particular, wasn't there? So maybe he mixed it up a bit. Yeah, which is good. I I really did think we would see Rimmer interacting with either um, the Impaler. Or talking about war stories, do you well, know what we, I mean? Yeah, we had Cat and Messalina yeah. paired and then up, we had Hitler Lister and, and Hitler, Hitler, Hitler and Lister. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought we were going to see Rimmer with that, but he was just completely. Well, kept Rimmer, of course, yeah, he he's the guy that fantasised meeting Napoleon. Exactly, and he's the guy that has fascist dictator monthly. Yeah, and Hitler was Mister October. I thought we'd just see him sitting with those two, with Having them looking with utterly Stalin. bored and going, "What I would have done." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crime, I'll show you my battle campaign. <laughs> bonding about cleaning with Stalin or something. Yeah. We just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Airbrushing. <laughs> uh, Tim Shaw's small point is that Dolphy makes Hitler sound like a puppy. I know. I was trying to get away from the fact that we just keep talking keep about Hitler all the time, and he's not Hitler. That's the thing that you get out of the episode is that he isn't Hitler. Um, he's a droid. So he's Dolphy, and that is how I will refer to him. <laughs> I don't care what you think, Tim, so there. <laughs> well, uh, I think I may have uh, polished off all the small points I can handle for the moment. So let's. Uh, should we look ahead? No, so hang on, I've got one more small point. Oh, why why is the Red Dwarf set so dark now? Hmm. There's. There's a change uh, in in series eleven onwards. Yeah. Um, there's a new DOP for series eleven and twelve. Ed Moore, who worked as a camera op on the previous series, yeah. but he's now the DOP. Uh, he has got a very a very strong sense of cinematography. What he wanted to do that he's yeah. he's been talking about it on Twitter and, it's, and on the DVDs as well. It's really interesting. It's, it's, it's not that it's bad or anything, but there was something about when they were sitting around that table playing poker. The lighting indicated it was the middle of the night, mm. which I know kind of almost plays off in the thing of we put the clocks forward and all that stuff. But it just looked so dark. Yeah. that I was sort of quite relieved when they got onto the space station and the lighting was more normal. It almost felt just a bit, I don't know, a bit alien. I remember, like I said, I was such a big fan of one and two. And then when we cut to three, the first scene of series three is um, Lister and Cat watching the Flintstones. Mm. And suddenly the lighting is like, oh! <gasps> It's, it's like a film. Yeah. Suddenly there's darkness and shadow and stuff. And I felt a little bit like that with this. It, it, it sort of didn't feel sitcom-y. The, 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 the scene itself was playing as a very funny scene, mm. or, or meant to be a very funny scene. Um, but it, the lighting didn't sort of work for it. It felt really yeah. dark. I think sometimes, yeah, the tone is sometimes at odds with, with the feel that they're going for. It's, yeah. yeah. It's the strange mix, really. It's like, you've obviously, you've got the audience... And so it's, that's the trappings of a, a traditional audience sitcom, which Red Dwarf always was back from the very early days. But with a more cinematic, a more kind of single camera style lighting on a multi camera yeah. setup, I, I think I wonder sometimes whether it's right for the show. It looks great. I think it's really beautifully done. It but is. I wonder sometimes whether it's right. But it did look like they'd forgotten to switch the lights on in the sleeping yes. quarters. <laughs> you almost imagine yeah. when Crichton walked in, he would have flicked a switch on the wall and then 
the sort of daytime light. But then I guess it's like I don't know because I do, I don't feel like it it bothers me as much because I feel like that's like where they're living and of course obviously with them being in space it's dark outside and it's just like yeah. you know sort but of I like in winter remember... when it's dark and you just like <laughs> no, have a I... lamp on and it's like cozy. I agree. I just like... don't remember it being quite so dark in series eleven or ten. Yeah. Well, because I guess then you've we, got like we have a an explanation. And things uh, both lighter. both Pendo and Cy Bromley have pointed out Norweber after them. They're, <laughs> they're saving on the electricity bill. Damn no one. <laughs> Fair dues. Uh, I have also remembered my own small point that I'd like to chip in and whack on the table. Um, on the night of the recording, the scene uh, between them coming off Starbug and first going and discovering the pods, uh, the scene where they're talking about there's a sunstorm on the way and we have to stay here for 13 hours, wasn't recorded on the night. Oh. Uh, it, wa- it wasn't, I think it was supposed to be a pre record and they hadn't got round to it, maybe. But oh. on the night, the cast read that off script, oh. and they must have shot it at a later point. Because there was there was a week. Uh, the last recording of series twelve was delayed by a week and a half or half a week. One of the two. I can't quite remember what it was now. But it was a, it was a Wednesday instead of a Friday, and th- because they needed that time to shoot some pickups due to time that they'd lost earlier in the shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris was ill for a while, so they lost a couple yeah, of days shooting with it. Chris, and so. Maybe that was one of the ones that they picked up during that period. I think that sandstorm thing was the most that'll do bit of this episode. Yeah. But, oh yeah, but while because, we're here, we now because have to everything stay else here. wasn't necessarily that'll do. Here's a bit of plot, uh, whatever. That that sort of stood out in a little bit, mm. um, just by being we have to have a reason to be here. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, but everything else around it was so so much fun. I didn't really mind. It's you kind of every now and then in Red Dwarf. There's those moments where it's just done in the dialogue or the exposition and it's often Crichton and it's often yeah. him saying best, best guess. <laughs> it was funny, I I felt a, I had a bit of a Crichton overload in the early parts of the episode where Crichton, you know, where we know Crichton knows everything about everything and we'll go, so what is it Crichton? And everyone else's lines just go, so tell me about that Crichton. What is mm. it Crichton? Blah, 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 Crichton. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's the plot. We, we've got that set up now. But because what came later was so uncrichton heavy, yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't feel as unbalanced. But there was still. I still think the early part of the episode was very perfunctory. Yeah, everyone was just saying things that those characters would kind of say in that situation, but without any real, you know, feeling for those yeah. bits. I was, I, it was like the fact that like, they were there, like you say, like with Rimmer being there. Just being he was there. just there. He and said a like, he said a slightly rimmery thing. And that was it, really. Crichton didn't need to be that. Also, there was nothing in his sodding bowl that really bugs me. <laughs> he was stirring a bowl of nothing in the opening. <laughs> in the opening yeah. thing. Oh, it, really bugs me. it makes me sad a little bit because the characters are so they're so much proper characters mm. that it, it doesn't take a lot. To give them a line or two that makes you feel like it's it's something they would genuinely say in that situation, whereas in the early part of this episode, I felt it was things that those characters kind of oh that'll do yeah, yeah. fuck that'll do that's <laughs> fine, <clears throat> and that's kind of a bit sad to me because I think early on sort of at least early to mid period Red Dwarf it was very much you believed everything they said mm. it felt right I mean there's something about Lister's characterization these days which. <sighs> Craig doesn't like his early performances, yeah. but I like them because they feel very real. I I believe in he's sort of a very 
sad but nice guy who's sort of lost in this world and doesn't know what to do. Mm. Now I just feel he says these listery type things. Yeah. And you can see the acting. And, you know, he got better as the episode went on. As the episode was written better, he was better. But there's still something... It doesn't. I don't quite believe him sometimes. Even though he's a better actor now, I believed him better when he wasn't such a good actor. <laughs> I think we, we, we are a long way away from his delivery of Watson Iguana. Whereas Danny <laughs> is now absolutely brilliant because he has given the material, mm. which yeah. is perfect for his characterisation. Whereas for several seasons, he just did some reaction lines. Yeah. Or did his, his comedy cat line, which you mm. expected every week, because it was the same thing. Yeah. Now, he steals everything. I think, from, yeah, from series 10 onwards, he's, yeah, he has been he's the most reliably funny character yeah. and the most consistent but performer. Genuinely, genuinely unexpectedly funny. Yeah. There was something about him, the way he appeared in the corridor at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't sort of, you know, the sort of thing you've seen before. He always tries to do something new. Mm. And I think with Craig sometimes, apart from maybe Fathers and Sons, where he really sort of got into that, I don't really feel he's Lister so much anymore. Yeah. He's, he's that person who says the nice thing because he's Lister, the nice person, the hero, the centre of this series. Yeah, okay. But I sort of like the Lister who has to do it just because he has to. Because <laughs> everyone else around him is so shit. Or dead. <laughs> or dead. <laughs> that he sort of goes, oh, smeg, I've got to do this, haven't I? But now he's sort of like, he's that person generally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I think um, Rimmer, because the performance is generally a slightly better performance, I go with that. Mm. But with Craig, there's something, I don't know, there's something slightly missing. I feel he's slightly sort of pompous sometimes. In that sort of like, oh, I'm Lister, I'm the main character in this programme. Mm. and I'm really, Everything I say is kind of like the heart and soul of Red Dwarf. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you know what I mean, though? Very slightly. That, you know, they've made him such a goody-goody sometimes. But I liked what he did this time about, about Hitler, yeah. letting him down gently by him going... It's because I'm Hitler, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's because I haven't got my guitar. <laughs> that was really sweet. That that felt like the Lister I know. Yeah. From the books. I'm so obsessed with those books. Yeah. Well, that, that's not a bad thing. I should marry those books. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on, I think, uh, to talking a little bit about uh, what we're going to be watching next week. And maybe if we've got time the week after. And the week after that. Um, so the rest of the series coming up Unlike the last two series, uh, we haven't had official episode-by-episode episode synopses posted on the official site, uh, which is normally what happens around this time. But we and haven't you haven't seen, seen anything beyond this episode? I have not, no. Only... Have you? I have, yes. Yeah. How many have you seen? I've seen two others. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How many have you seen over there? None. None. <laughs> I've seen none either. Yeah. Yeah. We're not as important as Joe. <laughs> uh, we'll I'm a very important person. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, the the synopses that we've got uh, were posted on the British Comedy Guide. They seem to be official, it's just that they've not been on the official website yet. Mm. So we're taking these as real. Uh, <laughs> and so next week, it is Siliconia, where... <laughs> The Dwarfers are arrested by the Mechanoid Intergalactic Liberation Front. Lister, Cat and Rimmer are uploaded into mechanic bodies and forced into servitude while Crichton is given a new life of pampering and luxury. I have seen this episode. It's the one where everyone's Crichton. Was it any good? Um, yes. Oh, it good. was 
I don't think it's the best episode, but it's the one that people have been desperate for. Like, I'm kind of more excited about it as time goes on, I think. I think when I first heard the idea, I was, well, that's obviously a gimmick. But I think I'm really, just really looking forward to seeing Chris Berry. <laughs> yeah, being I mean, then be, yeah, them being mad, it's so weird. It is weird. Actually, like, that's true. Because obviously you've seen the stills of it. And yeah. Stuff, Seeing but... the stills or whatever it was, the screen grabs of Chris Barry as the mechanoid doing the face. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought, yeah, bizarre. actually, that could be quite funny. Yeah. He's, he still has Chris Barry's face, despite the fact that he's entirely encased in rubber. And that's what I'd like to see. I love the fact that from that trailer, we don't know whether it's actually Lister as the mechanoid in that. Everyone's going, we think that might be Lister, but we're not really sure. Craig's the one where you can't really tell whether it's him or not in a lot of the shots. Yeah. It's like, Danny, Danny's really distinctive. I don't, I don't remember, like, on the night, not... Well, I guess I knew it was him, but, like, not being able to tell, like, as much. But since the pictures have come out, it's like every time I, I'm like, is, is that is him? That him? I'm not sure. Okay. But, um... But yeah, it's it, it's a good episode. It's not my favourite, that's all. Like, it's not a bad episode by any stretch. And I think a lot of people will really enjoy it. And mm. probably a lot of people will say it's their favourite. But then I always tend to be, like... I'm so controversial and edgy and have different <laughs> to other people. But it's, and you're a it's woman just, as well. You I know, know, right? You're a woman. I'm a God, woman who likes no red dwarf. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... Oh, it can is I just say, episode, in case anyone makes the point, as a, as a practising gay lord... Mm. I think <laughs> I thought Hitler's performance was fucking great. A practicing gaylord, hoping to qualify soon. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It's keeping but, his amateur status. But I just wonder whether someone might go, oh, Hitler was playing it a bit gay. It's like, yeah. yeah. It was really funny. I mean, Hitler being camp is is a tradition that dates back as long as Hitler has existed. Yeah. And that was, you know, it was, part, camps. It was part of the war effort. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> That was so dumb. <laughs> Good work. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah. I'm available for CBBC anytime. <laughs> but yeah, portraying Hitler in that way was literally part of the war effort against him. It yeah. is, and he's been portrayed like that you know, in Disney. I just, <laughs> think, the war. I just think the fact that Hitler has been portrayed like that for previous generations who are much closer to the war. Yeah. I think if anyone from the generation now is offended by that, you don't necessarily have the right to be offended by mm. that. You are a lot further away. We know he's a terrible person. The fact that he is being portrayed like this helps. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. You know, I, I, know, I, know, I, don't, some people... I don't think the implication is that gay people are Nazis. No. Some may be. Some no, may no, not. Be. No, no, we all are. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's your bloody gay agenda. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of which, actually, the. Uh, <laughs> The next episode is uh, Time Wave, in which a ship from the 23rd century... Oh, the next episode but one. Yeah. Yes, next after the one where everyone's Crichton, we've got Time Wave. <laughs> a ship from the 23rd century is washed Time up in the wave. past, and the dwarf has run into a crew where criticism is illegal. Yeah, yeah. And uh... <laughs> Couldn't they make it sound episode. slightly exciting? <laughs> and couldn't they make the title slightly better? This is the episode where we've got Johnny Vegas as a pink policeman. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm just wondering how that goes. I'm I'm actually going straight now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the one where there was Jesus. there was a quote from Robert, which doesn't it didn't it sound to me like something Robert sound would say. Like Robert, yeah. He said we're having a go at all this political correctness, and I was just thinking, oh, do you have to? Is that? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. I don't know. 
Um, well, it, obviously, I, yeah. I hope they have a go at Chinese vending machines. That's really <laughs> oh it, God! It worries me a little bit, like based on that what Crichton, uh, what Crichton says, what Robert has said. Um, it doesn't worry me because I think, but, going by the other ones, I the titles know. and the descriptions are absolutely shit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and also I remember it when sound I remember like when something when, Robert would say. No, so like, but when the titles all, all came out for this season on the DVD accidentally. I remember going down them going, they all sound terrible. Mm. <laughs> and this first episode was great. Yeah. yeah. And I so, just yeah, think they're not so very good judge. at titling. But yeah. I think some, I think Red Dwarf either has a really good title or not a very good title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no, very little in between. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Time Wave. Time Pink, time pink policeman. Wave. Yeah. policeman. Yeah, now, now all Can one Can you imagine word. that? Someone going, time wave, I must watch that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really different from anything I've seen in Redwood before. Well, how, how about Macocracy? Macocracy. Ma- ma- Which sounds Macocracy. like the same episode as the Crichton, everyone is Crichton this was the one, this Yeah, it took us a while when the titles were released, or well, well leaked, to figure out which one yeah. was, and what this other one was. It is, I mean, I have to say, as someone who has tried to help name episodes of television series <laughs> it's the most difficult part yeah whereas like I've, I've named I think two or three Doctor Who stories by just suggesting things mm. it's really difficult because you never know what people are going to go for what they'll yeah. accept and I mean the best title that we never got through was Three Cybermen and a Baby <laughs> <laughs> for loads of time yeah <laughs> Brilliant! <laughs> but they just go, no, no, that won't work. And you just think, well, you, you replace it with something quite bland, it doesn't quite work. Mm. And so I know how these things come about, but I think uh, th- this season doesn't have any really standout episode titles. Yeah. What are the other ones? Let's have a look. So, yeah, we, well, we've got Macocracy, and the plot of that Macocracy. is... Macocracy! <laughs> uh, when all the machines on board Red Dwarf go on strike, a presidential election is held between Rimmer and Crichton to look after their rights. Which, yeah, I don't... tumbleweed. tumbleweed. <laughs> <laughs> I I generated some debate. I, I think I overreacted, maybe, or you know, or I didn't make clear what my thoughts were when this synopsis was released. I worry that you do jokes about presidential elections. Yeah, I think jokes about presidential elections have changed somewhat since uh, since this episode yeah. was recorded. I think the last one went quite differently to how uh, to how all the previous ones have gone. There was, didn't you think something about this episode about the United American? Yes, strangely Felt topical. Odd. <laughs> America <laughs> waging, we are now, waging war and yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe instead of Rupert Murdoch, it could have been Donald Trump. You never know. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, I've just thought of my other really funny uh, naming story, which was that um, the Unicorn and the Wasp yes. used to be called the Wasp and the Unicorn, until <laughs> they realised that the acronym was TWATU. <laughs> <laughs> and so it had to be changed. <laughs> I say, let's get out there and TWATU. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so that's the sort of thing that people have to consider yes. when naming episodes. Uh, so the next one after the presidential election one is MCOR. Oh god, that's awful! Who's gonna? Watch? <laughs> I must watch Mcor. What's it well, about? Come on, let's let's try and think of a better title for Mcor. Come on. When the dwarfers upload their latest software update, oh, they discover that the Juniper Mining Corporation, owners mm. of Red Dwarf, have been bought by Mcor, a company that only allows what? products made by them to be visible to their employees. 
Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I can't wait for that episode. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll all be a lot better than this. <laughs> yeah. Emco's uh, intriguing. Megacore was mentioned in Samsara in series yeah. 11. So setting something the up. Same yeah. Company. It must be. But this is three million fucking years later. Yeah. There's a whole. I mean, we'll get to this in four weeks, I'm sure. But the, there's a whole thing. From series ten onwards, about the JMC backup computer, yeah, about sort of the bureaucracy. I'm glad they haven't quite gone back to that in these last couple of seasons. Well, I wonder whether twelve is going to be such a massive part of series ten was JMC. Yeah, it's like they've got bosses all of a sudden. They've got this oppressive. Yeah, even though they're they're entirely on their own in the middle of deep space, years after everyone's been destroyed. That's fine. Apart from apart from this, Um, and then yeah, this. The series uh, ranks M-core. off. Encore, sorry, Encore. <laughs> uh, the series then rounds off with Skipper, which what was that called originally? Oh, um, Star Knot. Star Knot. Actually, that's better. Skipper is an improvement, <laughs> I think, yeah. on this front. It, well, it, it brings to mind Skipper, uh, Ace's nickname for Lister. Yeah, that's um, that's what but a lot of people. Have that's what out. we assumed it. Might be about. Well, the description is: Rimmer gets hold of a quantum skipper and skips his way across the multiverse, looking for a dimension where he's not such a giant loser. Which does, you know, Ace? Maybe is Ace coming back? That's what Ace does. That's what Ace does. I wonder, based on other photographs that have been released, who might who might else be coming back in that episode? I can't imagine. Oh, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. No spoilers. I can't imagine some corridors with circular numbers (laughs) in microgrammar. I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, if you've been to a Norman Lovett convention appearance or stand-up gig, or just let's be honest, yeah, or just had any interaction with Norman Lovett at all in the last 18 months you'll have yeah. known instantly that Norman Lovett is back in Red Dwarf or, or just typed in the, the words level Nivello yeah. you'll just get to some lovely set report where <laughs> the corridors look kind of almost right yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh that would be that would be a hell of a, a project for, for someone of your kind of mindset comparing the originals and the <laughs> I, I can't pretend I didn't pre- uh, sort of prepare a whole series of tweets and yeah, not actually tweet them well, in a few weeks' time, when the episode's on, I woke up the next day and that. just thought, "This is just too geeky." I'm not <laughs> too geeky. Yeah, but there's actually a really nice thing where you see a corridor with the, I think it's corridor one five nine or something, mm. which is exactly the same as one from the original series where Lister's yeah. walking by. Like corridor one. Yeah, but I'm interested in those photos where you've got in the trailer, you've got Rimmer in his original costume with yeah. the H and stuff, but in the photos. He's got a lot more decoration. I in his chest. think I'm right in saying he's navigation officer. Or yeah, in in that photo. But in the actual footage we've seen, he's still just second technician. Mm. So how? Does well, he skip. According to this, he skips his way across the multiverse. Maybe there's more than one version of Rimmer in the episode. There's lots of different. Versions. I mean, like physically skipping or <laughs> <laughs> with a <Are> rope. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sent you the link to that that woman who'd been on set, and mm. there was something about the service lift. Where the sign was so perfectly done for series one mm. and two, so badly kerned and yeah. badly fonted, <laughs> it was just like. Mm. Did you see that episode? Uh, yes. So it recorded. Yes. Yes. Good or bad? Good. But we can say no more until it's on. Yeah, I can't say anything else. But yes, I did enjoy that one. Thank God. Um, well, all of these delights are all to come for us over the next five weeks. But 
I'm afraid that's all we've got time for tonight. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests. Jo- well, guests, she lives here. Uh, <laughs> Joe Sharples of the Red Door Fan Club. You're uh, welcome. Helena Raymond and her uh, Robert Llewellyn anecdote. <laughs> and of Best course, story. <laughs> and of course, thank you, Clayton Hickman. And Clay, I believe you are about to launch an online store. Yes, I are doing to do that thing. <laughs> um, I will be um, tweeting it um, on Saturday or Sunday. It's a Redbubble store. It contains Doctor Who type t-shirts and other things which aren't particularly copyright intensive. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, they'll be very nice. So please follow me on at Clayton Hickman because obviously nobody else would actually have that title because it's a stupid name. <laughs> which and actually, I have to say, Stephen Moffat did once say to me, he chose names on Doctor Who based on the fact that he knew someone called Clayton Hickman in real life. And that was the most stupid name he'd ever heard. So therefore, yeah, at Clayton Hickman, please follow me. I have 10,000 followers. God knows how. Please because be one of them. all the excellent, very pedantic, very thorough tweets about Doctor Who fonts, about TARDIS windows. They're very important. They are very... It's absolutely brilliant. I... Yeah, I thoroughly recommend following Clayton for that reason and many others. Thanks very much. Uh, so pleasure. thank you, Clayton, and thank you to everyone who decided to spend their Friday night listening live to us rather than going out or seeing friends or whatever. That thank was you. Us. Uh, <laughs> if you missed any of the show, it will be available on www.ganymede.tv and all good podcast feeds on Saturday. Then over the rest of the weekend, we'll be publishing our Series 12 title sequence analysis. And yes, that's that, right. Actually, Looking can I just say, that was a bit that was a bit crap. What? Title sequence. Not very oh. good. Well, we'll go into that. No, uh, no, we won't. We'll, 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 well, not you, but I will, and you can yeah. comment on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and following that, uh, we'll have, of course, our full in-depth review of Cured, uh, courtesy of Jonathan Capps this time. Uh, I'll be back this time next week well uh, well, 9 o'clock next week not this time because it's later now but I'll be back <laughs> this time next week with at least some of my GNT colleagues to discuss the one where everyone's Crichton but until then <laughs> Ed bye everybody Ed bye Ed bye thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again have a safe onward journey goodbye <laughs>